Welcome to the Kairos Public Schools Community Podcast. Join us as we equip, educate, and support our parents as co-educators and ambassadors in the local community. Welcome, Kairos community, to our podcast. This is Jared Austin, Executive Director. And I'm Leslie Shebley, the KISP coordinator, and we're happy to be here with you guys and that you tuned in. Today, you have the privilege of hearing from other members of our Kairos team, and we hope you enjoy. I like to think of emotional regulation as a way to, well, regulate our big emotions. It's a way to feel our feelings, but not let them get the best of us, so to speak. And then to move to a place of more calm, which brings the ability to respond in a more skilled way rather than react. When I think of anger, for example, it can be so easy to move into a more explosive reaction, like saying mean words or yelling. However, emotional regulation would be like taking a pause and then making a more quote-unquote skilled choice, like taking some space, going for a walk, talking to a trusted friend, etc., I think it's important to also highlight that sometimes we know why we're feeling a certain way and sometimes it can be a little bit more unclear. For example, it may be really obvious that we're frustrated in the morning if we wake up late, ran out of something that we're planning on packing for our kids' lunch, etc. However, there are going to be times when anger and frustration show up and the reason is more unclear. This is where something called neuroception comes in. It's a big word. I love big words admittedly, but I know they're not for everyone. It essentially means that we all as humans are always scanning our environment for cues of threat and safety. This is happening below the level of our awareness. What happens next is our nervous system can drop into different nervous system states called fight, flight, or freeze, and even something called fawn, which can then bring up different emotions, sometimes ones that can be really uncomfortable, such as anxiety or anger or sadness. And then these emotions often lead to certain behaviors. Our kiddos experience this as well. So yeah, I like to think of emotional regulation as a way to bring ourselves and our kiddos back into a more calm place in our nervous system when we are experiencing those bigger, more uncomfy emotions. When we think of how this relates to our kids we interact with and even my own children, I often think of what we call the three R's regulate, relate, and reason, which I know we'll come back to later in the podcast. Ms. Hanneman, what are your thoughts on emotional regulation? Ms. Rodriguez, you did a great job explaining emotional regulation. I think it's also important to add in that expressing feelings is okay and they belong. For example, right now I'm feeling a little nervous because we are doing a podcast. Anger, anxiety, feeling sad, worried, nervous, they are all emotions and they're not bad. They're natural. We are all, we all feel all of our feelings in different ways and there's a skilled way to manage it and a not so skilled way to manage it. And throughout this podcast, we'll talk more about what tools we can utilize to help support our emotions and to help our students or kiddos when they might be experiencing a big emotion and bring them from that big emotion to maybe a better and happier emotion that feels better in their bodies. So I guess I'm wondering, how do I teach my child how to identify their emotions? So I feel like the zones of regulation is a great place to start. This is a curriculum that's geared towards helping students consciously regulate their emotions and actions, which then in turn leads to increased self-control and even problem-solving skills. The zones of regulation starts by teaching students how to recognize when they're in different emotional states or what they refer to as zones. And each of the four zones is represented by a different color. So red is used to describe extremely heightened states of alertness or those very intense feelings. 
So for example, rage or panic, just those explosive behaviors you guys might see at home. And then yellow is used to describe heightened states of alertness as well. But in this zone, the child still has some level of control. So these might be feelings of frustration or anxiety, or just when their bodies are kind of excited and wiggly. And then green, as you might, um, as you might assume, is the color used to describe a regulated state of alertness. So in this zone, the student is feeling very happy, they're calm, focused, and ready to learn. And then the last zone is the blue zone, and this is used to describe when a student may be in a low state of alertness. So when their body and their brain may be moving a little bit slowly. So feelings that would fit into this category might be when the child's feeling sick, bored, tired, etc. And if these sounds a little familiar, it's because the zones of regulation, these color-coded emotional states, have really increased in popularity, and they can now even be seen in a lot of children's books and movies. Um, so some of my favorites are like Disney Pixar's Inside Out and even the new movie Turning Red. Um, so the zones are represented in those forms of media. And then the zones of regulation, the zones of regulation curriculum. Um, once the student is able to identify those emotions and has a solid understanding of the different colored zones, it moves into teaching strategies or tools that the student can use to either stay within that specific zone or move from one zone to another. Um, the zones of regulation also touches on identifying triggers and reading facial expressions and perspective, perspective taking. So, I mean, I have nothing but good things to say about this curriculum, and I know that this was just a really quick snapshot. Um, and so what I'll do is I can link the website, which will go into much greater depth about the different zones and some strategies. And then it also has some great free visuals too. So we will link that at the end of the podcast. Perfect. Thank you, Caitlin, for explaining zones of regulation. It's a great tool that we often use with students to help them go from a maybe a red zone to a green or blue zone or different zones that make them feel a little better if they are experiencing those uncomfy emotions. I also wanted to talk about something else students can use or we help with students or as parents can help with their children um, in addition to zones of regulation, modeling emotions and labeling how to use emotions and talking about our feelings um, is very helpful as well. Communicating different emotions, how our bodies might feel when we might be having different emotions, and be aware of our emotions and identify how our bodies might feel when we are experiencing different emotions. For example, I might say, I'm feeling really sad right now because I have to go to the doctor and I don't like going to the doctor. This models to our children that it's okay to talk about the emo those emotions, how to communicate how we are feeling and when we are feeling that way. I would suggest practicing talking about emotions and why we feel that way. And, and then once we identify that emotion, then we can help provide the tools of coping mechanisms to help regulate those emotions we may be experiencing. Ms. Emery, what would you recommend for parents on how to teach emotions? So for younger students, I think it's important to not only label the child's emotion in real time for vocabulary building purposes, but also to highlight or bring awareness to the child's body clues. And now, when I use the term body clues, I'm referring to what the child's eyes, eyebrows, nose, mouth, hands, and just overall body positioning look like. So for example, if I see that a student is upset, I might say, and model, 
I see that your eyebrows are scrunched in the shape of a V. Your mouth and teeth are clenched tight and your hands are making fists. Your body's showing me that you feel angry. This way, the child's not only getting the vocabulary for the specific feeling, but also becoming more aware of their unique physiological characteristics that they exhibit when they're in that particular emotional state. Yeah, I love that, Caitlin. I think um, also when I think about um, identifying emotions for older kids and even for the little ones as well, I think it's really important to validate and mirror their emotions. So really allowing space for our kiddos to feel what they're, or feel, what they're feeling and then us attuning to that. Um, a really easy way to do this is by noticing how your child may be feeling and saying something like, it looks like you're feeling blank. So it looks like you're feeling angry. Do you want to share anything about it? Um, it allows the child to be seen. It, allow, it kind of allows this like acceptance of the feeling. Um, it can be really powerful to just acknowledge that your child is feeling a certain way. Those are all really great points. I also want to add in that when a child is feeling those big emotions, us as adults really want to help. But it is really important to give children some space, time to calm down before starting to give them calm down strategies or maybe ask them more questions. Um, for example, I will sometimes give students a couple minutes to take a break, maybe play with a fidget or color, and then circle back to see how they were feeling and why they were maybe feeling that way. And we can then get into more of a conversation of our feelings and what we can do when we're feeling that way. Yes, it is so important to provide that space from dysregulation, so big emotions, to a more regulated state where we're feeling or the child's feeling more calm. Um, before we come in and have those conversations, um, the child <clears throat> needs to feel regulated. Um, so I think when I think of this, I think of the three R's that I talked about earlier. The first R is to regulate. Um, and there's so many ways to regulate our nervous systems. And remember, this is where we're hoping to facilitate that shift from big emotions to more calm state. Um, the second R is relate. Relationships are so, so important. And I just want to mention here, I'm a parent too. There's no perfect here because as humans and parents, we're just not always going to get it right. We're just not. Um, but having awareness around the importance of connection and relationship is super important. And the third R is reason. Once our kiddos are in a more calm, relaxed state, they're likely going to be more able to reason and talk about what just happened and perhaps what could be a better choice next time. So can you tell us a little bit more about the first R? What are some ways to regulate? And then how do we teach our kiddos to regulate? There is so many ways we can teach our children to regulate, and one way is by utilizing coping skills. And at the beginning of this school year, I went into all the classrooms and taught students what are different skills we can use when we are having a really big emotion to help us relax and maybe feel a little calmer. And one of those ways is teaching coping skills. So we are teaching students to pick five coping skills when they're feeling angry or sad or worried and stressed. And then the goal is that they take those coping skills and then they apply them to when they're feeling those big emotions, maybe at the playground or maybe at home or maybe when they're feeling really frustrated in the classroom. So I think it's really helpful, especially to teach students how to self-regulate and as they get older to pick which coping skills work best for them because coping skills won't be the same for everyone. So I think it's important that they're able to teach to pick ones for themselves to help them self-regulate when they're having those big emotions. 
Yeah, I'm going to um, piggyback on what Marissa said a bit. Um, I love the word coping mechanisms or coping skills. I also use the term regulating resource. They're somewhat synonymous. Um, depending on where we are in our nervous system state, what we use to regulate and what our children use to regulate is going to look different. Um, I think it's important to be mindful that we're all, we all have different needs and what works for each of us is going to be different. It may vary day to day. So I just like to keep in mind that there can be a lot of fluidity here and allow for that. Um, so keeping all of that in mind, I'm just going to kind of go through some bullet points of things that I consider regulating resources that can help us and our kids move from dysregulation or those big emotions to a more calm, peaceful, connected state. Um, first, and we talked about this already, really allow the feeling. It belongs. It's not bad. It's okay that it's here. And let's find a more skilled way to get through this. Um, movement is huge. This can be anything that moves the body. Running, jumping, wall push-ups, yoga, going for a walk. Trampolines can be great, mostly for kids. Um, I mean, it's great for adults too, but you know, we're more prone to injury. Um, riding a bike, dancing, music can be incredibly helpful for regulating as well. Shaking, stomping your feet. Anything with a rhythmic, repetitive movement can be incredibly regulating. Even things like coloring, that, that back and forth with the crayon, or kneading Play-Doh or clay. Um, the second bullet point would be breathing techniques. And there's so many different breathing techniques that can be really calming. There's something called square breathing. Um, I encourage the listeners to YouTube um, do a YouTube search for these. There's something called four, seven, eight breath, which is incredible. You inhale for a count of four, hold for a count of seven, and then have a nice long exhale for a count of eight. This really calms the system down. Um, for littles, I and I do use this with the teens too, they don't love it, um, but I'll ask them to hold up their index finger up to their nose. And I'll say, okay, take a nice deep breath in like, you're, like, like your finger's a flower and you're smelling the flower. And then you're going to exhale with an open mouth and you're going to act like your finger is a birthday candle and you're going to blow that candle out really forcefully. And it allows for this nice long exhale, which can be very calming. And I'll um, have them do it two or three times and I'll often see some shoulders drop and just more relaxation and ease. Um, the third bullet point I have is co-regulation. It can be so helpful. And so what this can look like is really connecting with um, someone that we trust, a friend, a family member. It could even um, look like connecting with a pet. Pets can be a perfect co-regulating resource. Um, sometimes taking space and finding a pause in solitude can be exactly what the system needs. Um, there's something called grounding that is incredibly effective. This is essentially bringing ourselves or our children back into the present moment, back into the now. Um, and there's several ways to do this. One that I really like to use and children really, really like, it's called the 5-4-3-2-1 game. And so we go through all five senses. Tell me five things you can see. Tell me four three things you can feel. Tell me three things you can hear. Tell me two things you can smell. And then tell me one thing you can taste or something you like to taste just to elicit that um, taste sensation. Or even name five things in the room that are blue. So if your child's experiencing some really big emotions, just do a little experiment. Say, hey, can you, can you just name five things in this room that are blue? 
and just see what happens. It'll, it, it likely will bring them back into the present moment. Um, also, guided meditations or finding a calm place to visit in imagination can be super helpful. Um, there's so many guided practices on YouTube, the Calm app, the Insight Timer app, so many great things. So like I said, I like to think of these things as kind of an experiment where you can try them on, have your children try them on, see what feels, see what feels good. Hey, what about step two, relate? What can you tell us about building meaningful relationships with our kiddos in these hard moments? Yeah, this is a great question. Um, I think it can be incredibly helpful for us as parents to first check in with ourselves to see where we are at. Um, parenting is, in my opinion, probably one of the toughest jobs out there, and it's really easy to fall into dysregulation ourselves, just with life stuff and then raising humans. It can be really hard, right? So doing a check-in, taking care of ourselves first. I often think of it like putting on our oxygen mask first before we can take care of others, like they suggest we do in the airplane. So maybe using some of those regulating activities we just discussed on ourselves. Um, and, and here's the thing. We, I think it's super important to be mindful of being really gentle with ourselves around this. We're not going to be perfect at this all the time. So having a lot of acceptance and compassion with ourselves around this. Um, another thing that comes to mind is building in special time as often as possible with our kids. It's a really great way to build relationship and connection. So even something like five minutes a day, and if, if every day is too much, because honestly, that, that's a lot to start out with, um, maybe just some set days, like Monday, Wednesday, Friday, where our kids know that they will have our undivided attention. So the key here is to let them pick what we do for five minutes. And we may not love it, but it's their choice. It gives them the choice and the power, and then we give them that undivided attention. Yeah, Julia, I think you really touched on a really important piece that building relationships is so important. And what I was going to say is a lot of parents have talked to me about how they have a different day of the week that they have that special bonding time with their different children. So like Wednesday might be going to go get ice cream or it could be something as simple as grabbing donuts before school. But building in that special time with each different child if there's multiple so that the child gets very excited today's my day with dad or today's my day with mom and we get to have that special time and I think it's also important to mention to put away electronics or phones during that special time so you're really having that check-in time having those conversations and talking about their feelings and that would be a great time to have that feeling conversation where you can validate their feelings as well so that was a great point yeah, that's what I was going to say, Marissa. I think a huge big part of that relational piece is just affirming the child's emotions, letting them know that it's perfectly okay to be upset in that moment, just validating their experience. Um, one strategy I have found helpful when working with older students is really kind of getting into the bio biology behind those big emotions. So we'll talk about how when we're triggered by something, it activates the part of our brain that's responsible for fight or flight. And then this then leads to a release of stress hormones like cortisol and adrenaline. And when we have too much cortisol in our bodies, it inhibits the prefrontal cortex of the brain, which can lead to problems with poor decision-making, understanding of consequences, and even short-term memory. And I feel like this strategy has been helpful because it really normalizes and humanizes the child's experience. It helps them to understand that it's a physio physiological response to stress and everyone experiences it, including adults. 
Miss Emery, that makes a lot of sense. And thank you all for explaining this all out. It's so complex. Um, so the third R, can you share more about why this is important and what it even really means? Yeah, so that final R refers to reasoning, and that's essentially just circling back to talk about that big emotional moment. And I think it's important to note that only when the child appears to be ready, um, they need to be in that calm, regulated state before they're able to um, process information and have that conversation with you. Um, I always like to start the conversation on a positive note. So even just praising the student for being able to get back and return to that calm and ready to learn emotional state. And I think this would also be a good time to point out those body clues I mentioned earlier. Like, I see that your breathing has slowed and your hands are no longer clenched so tightly. Um, I also like to just confirm with the child that they are in fact ready to talk because sometimes they may not be. Um, so you might say, your body's showing me that you're calm and you're ready to talk. Is that true? And then if they confirm that they're ready to talk, that's when I would jump into the nitty gritty and revisit the trigger, what upset the child. And then you can talk about any strategies that he or she may have implemented and whether or not those were helpful. Your child may not have used any strategies and that's okay. That's when you can brainstorm and talk about some of those strategies together and see, um, how they might be able to handle the situation differently in the future. Yeah, that's great, Caitlin. Um, I think it's important to kind of understand why reasoning or talking with our kiddos is the last step. And I know, Caitlin, you touched on this earlier about what's happening in the brain. Um, so when our kids or anyone experiences those big emotions like anger, anxiety, sadness, the part of the brain that helps us make those skilled choices, it's called the prefrontal cortex. It's right behind our forehead. It essentially goes offline. It's not accessible. And it, this isn't a choice. It's just what happens. So it kind of, if you think about it, sets our kids up for failure in a way and likely um, really sets them up for more frustration. If we are coming in expecting them to be feeling these big emotions and then to have a conversation around it at that exact same time, it's, it's not really possible. So again, just having gentleness here is really important because if our kids are having big emotions, it may be hard for, for us as parents to stay calm, quote unquote, which means our prefrontal cortex is likely going offline. So our ability to access those skill choices may be impacted as well. So I think just having awareness around this whole process and compassion for ourselves and our kids, it's just gonna go such a long way. I think that's so true. And I also wanted to add in that it's okay if we don't make skilled choices the first time around. Sometimes it might take some some time for us to figure out what works for us. And we can maybe even brainstorm with our kiddos of maybe this didn't work this time, but what could we try next time when we might be feeling that big, that big emotion and then go from there. Well, great. Thank you so much for all of this information. Is there anything else we can add to help support parents with this? I feel like that about covers it. I know that was a ton of information. So Ms. Madigan, um, we have a lot of additional resources that we kind of mentioned throughout this podcast and we'd like to share with parents. So how would parents be able to access this? Yeah, so Mr. Austin sent out an email with the link to this podcast. 
and those resources are linked within that same email so that way parents can access them and Marissa I know that you also have some resources that you wanted to share out. Yeah, so we have great resources on the Kairos website. Under Positive Patriot, you can access uh, My Counselor Corner that has LinkedIn books and activities and great things to help with students. We also have some great coping skills that we talked about today. So if you wanted to access that, you can find that on the website as well. Awesome. Well, thank you, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. The Kairos Public Schools Community Podcast is brought to you by Kairos Public Schools, a state and national award-winning school serving scholars throughout Solano County, California. We hope you subscribe and share our podcast. To partner with us or suggest a future topic of discussion, please visit www.kairospublicschools.org forward slash podcast.